and welcome to episode number 222 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined by my man, Stephen Andrus. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Stephen Andrus. What if you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2? And of course, if you're listening to his audio version, subscribe, rate, review. If you're watching us over on the YouTubes, hit that subscribe button down below. Really do appreciate all the support from you guys out there. Steven, we're going to talk some AFC South here on this one. A couple of teams that have, in my opinion, no chance whatsoever at doing anything. And a couple of teams that I think are at least contenders here in this division. And we'll start with one of the teams that maybe people are looking at as a team that's kind of on the up and up, but probably a couple of years away from making anything really happen. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know one thing is for certain no matter what you believe about Trevor Lawrence as a player, you do have to believe that he was in an absolutely no-win situation last year. And I kind of look at everything from this team last year, Steven, is just a throwaway type of deal because all of those off-field things that were going on with Urban Meyer, when a team completely does not respect their coach and completely thinks of their coach as a joke. I find it very hard to believe that they are going to have success in the NFL. And so with that, Urban gets Urban gets the, the boot. Doug Peterson comes in, a proven track record, a Super Bowl winning coach. He brings in Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator, though we know Doug Peterson's going to be doing the majority of that. He was on Peterson's staff in Philadelphia whenever they did, uh, whenever they won the Super Bowl. Mike Campbell, uh, Caldwell, is going to be your defensive coordinator. He was a linebacker coach in Tampa the last three seasons. Another little interesting pickup for this Jacksonville team is he brought in Jim Bob Cooter as the passing game coordinator. And before you guys snicker out there, Stephen, you remember when Matthew Stafford and the Lions were actually having success on the offensive side of the ball, despite the fact that they didn't have any talent really on the offensive side of the ball, Jim Bob Cooter had devised a scheme in the passing game that was really maximizing the talent. And Matthew Stafford put up some really good numbers and really good stats on a team that didn't have a ton of depth and talent. So I don't think it's an insignificant hire that that he brings in Jim Bob Cooter to help with the passing game as well. So I, I don't know if you view the Jags the same way I do, where last season is, I'm not going to say a complete wash because, you know, they did some things really poorly, but I'm not really holding a lot of that stuff as a carryover against this team because, again, it, it was a complete dumpster fire from day one. For sure. It, it's kind of similar to what we saw with the Giants coaching staff the last few years. Just draw a line through it. If this was a, a horse and you see that they just didn't perform well the one race, that you just draw a line through it and look at the rest. And we have to figure out what the rest is for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But as far as the coaching staff is concerned, I'm optimistic long term. Like you said, I'm not quite sure what to do with this year. But what I do believe is that Doug Peterson has a proven track record as a head coach in this league and helped orchestrate a Super Bowl winning run with a quarterback we now mostly think is trash in Carson Wentz mm -hmm. and a quarterback who made a playoff run through the postseason with Nick Foles, a backup who won the Super Bowl despite Tom Brady throwing for 500 yards in that in that Super Bowl. So the offensive scheme and game plan, I think, will be there. If they have the talent is another question. But, 
you know, this, if you know the Jaguars, you know they've liked to spend money in recent years. No team spent more in free agency over the past few years than, the, than Jacksonville. They had, they ranked number four in spending at the wide receiver position, headlined by Christian Kirk at $18 million per year this offseason. And uh, greater minds will, will differ on whether that contract was worth it or not. We'll see if he produces. Uh, they spent the number three amount of money on the tight end position, which is crazy considering Evan Ingram is their top tight end. Uh, but they are at least trying to do what they can with the rookie contract that is Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. and what they can build around him. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, we'll that's see. the thing, right? It's like is is we understand how to have success in this league and you basically have to take advantage of contract situations with talented young players. And so, again, whether that's going to equal wins this year or not, or maybe they're a year away, maybe they're two years away, whatever it might be with this Jags team. I think they're at least going about it the right way. You mentioned all the players they brought in. I mean, listen, right guard Brandon Sheriff comes in a proven in a, a proven NFL offensive lineman. And if you're trying to protect your valuable investment in your quarterback, hey, get a good offensive line. And then so Sheriff comes in. You mentioned Christian Kirk, defensive lineman, Folo Fatakasi comes in as well. He's going to play some some big snaps, big minutes there for them. They bring in corner Darius Williams. So you now you start working on your secondary as well. You mentioned Evan Ingram. If you believe Zay Jones is good or not, I don't know. We we shall find out because he's going to get some reps there as well. They bring in Arden Key as an edge rusher in the offseason. So this team was incredibly active in the free agent market and addressing places of need for this squad. And if you look at what they lost, I don't think anybody's really jumping up and down about what they lost. Miles Jack is out of town. AJ uh, AJ Cannon and Andrew Norwell are out of town, but off of a bad off an offensive line that was bad anyway. So I don't know if that's really anything that that people are worried about. Taven Bryan, a linebacker, is out of town. DJ Chark is now gone. He didn't play last year anyway. So if you were worried about you know uh, Trevor Lawrence losing one of his weapons, DJ Chark got hurt early on in the season, didn't play anyway. And uh, Damian Wilson, a linebacker, is out of town as well. So. You know, you look at what they brought in, you look at what they sent out. I think it's a win. I think it's a net positive of what they brought in compared to what they sent out. And then they were one of these teams that had multiple first round picks. Now we know they ended up taking Trayvon Walker with the number one pick in the draft. And they had a second first round pick in which they took Devin Lloyd. So they addressed the defensive side of the ball, Stephen. They go defensive in. They go linebacker, come back in the third round with two third round picks to get a center and a linebacker. So you can see. They know, look, we feel pretty good about Trevor Lawrence and we feel pretty good about Travis ATN and we feel pretty good about Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. And again, we can laugh about it all we want. We'll see what ends up happening on the field. They go and address the defensive side of the ball, because what is one way that you can ease the pressure on a young quarterback? Have him not playing from behind all the friggin' time, right? Like when the other team knows you're going to throw every single down, the defensive line can just pin back their ears and bull rush you every single time. And that makes it very difficult on a young quarterback. So they, they really did an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that is actually a, a credit to, to what they, to, uh, to trying to help out Trevor Lawrence. Again, I I agree with you on paper. It looks like an improvement, but we got to see it because these statistics and it's so hard to quantify what this means for 2022 because of what a disaster Urban Meyer was last year. 
I was digging through some of the, the defensive stats, like you mentioned. They're they're bottom five in pretty much every advanced stat that we care about when it comes to EPA per play, success rate, drop back EPA and success rate. Um, so it's 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 hard to know how much of an improvement all of this is going to be with the coaching staff and the talent out there. We know the talent was good enough to at least beat Carson Wentz in the final week of the season when the, the Colts were in a, a winner go home situation. Uh, but it, as far as making bets on this team. If you want to take an eight to one shot that the division isn't very good and and put it on Jacksonville in the hope that Trevor Lawrence is the prospect that we all thought he was coming out, that Doug Peterson is a competent head coach. I I can understand that it's you know, it's a it's a big price at eight to one just to win a division. But at the same time, it's not like we're talking about the Eagles or the Giants who have one of the two easiest schedules in the NFL by opponent win total, the Jags aren't even in the top 10. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year and somehow didn't even get a top 10 easiest schedule this year. So it's still, and and we're looking at win totals, Matt, that are either juiced to the over at five and a half or juiced to the under at six and a half, which I think is about where it should be. So um, other than maybe Travis Etienne, that's another addition that we should talk about because, you know, he was hurt last year and that's a big weapon potentially as a dual threat guy out of the backfield. But his with, with his hype comes an inflated prop market where at BetMGM combined rushing and receiving yards is around eleven hundred. But James Robinson, despite having an Achilles injury last year, is already back taking first team reps in training camp. So I think it's at least a split in terms of the rushing carries. So I'm I'm more bearish on Etienne going under 1100 yards with them maybe easing him back from injury, making sure that they're splitting the work and being careful with him. So and if they if he has an injury late in the year that is somewhat not, maybe not severe, but if they're out of the race and they're not, not really they're just going to shelve him to make sure he's healthy. So um, I, I'm having a hard time finding markets and prices that I like to be bullish on this team. Yeah, I, I, at the same time, I, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't have any conviction on being bullish on them. At the same time, I don't want to fade this team because I do think that there is a chance we could be looking at, and I don't think a winning record necessarily or anything like that, but it would not like surprise me. Last year, kind of. Right. Like, I, I think it's a very gritty team that is going to give some teams a lot of trouble. And when that's the case, sometimes you luck into a couple of wins here and there, you know. And so oh, for week me, one, I'm all gotta, over that, man. Week one, four yeah. dog against Washington. I'm all over that one, probably. Yeah, it's it's just for me. I, I take a look at this team and it's like, OK, I mean, there is some there is some talent on that defensive side of the ball. There's some talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they're three deep. Again, is it going to like blow you away? But they're going to have Marvin Jones, Chris Kirk, and Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. And as you mentioned, James Robinson and or ATN. Maybe ATN starts lining up some in the slot as well to to try to get the ball in his hands and things. And like, you know, I think that there's a chance that this team maybe somewhere along the way, midway through the season, starts to figure things out. A little bit. It's the 12th easiest schedule in the NFL. So it's not like it's a murderer's row of games as it is anyway. So I'm kind of where I think, like you said, I think the number makes sense as far as the, the win total here. But would it surprise me if they shocked, you know, 
Let, let's take a let, let's let's go a little bit further. They're only favored in three games, by the way. I should mention over the course of the season, as we sit right now, that could change. Of course, they're slight slight dogs in a couple of other games, but you know. Would it surprise me if they could sneak up on the Titans in one of these two games they play against them? Absolutely not. Would it surprise me if they could, you know, if the Cowboys are as take did take as big of a step back as I thought they did, that they could compete with the Cowboys? Like, I, I don't think that these are that these are out of the range of possibilities for the squad. So, again, like you said, I, I don't I don't want to back them, but I'm certainly not going to fade them either. And there's a couple things that could go their way this year. They were they were the worst in the league in turnover margin, and the next closest team was seven turnovers behind them. So that's a potentially opportunity to level that out, maybe some regression. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence not throwing as many picks. I mean, we, Brad Allen was on our podcast last season and told us that r- wide receivers were like running into each other with the route concepts mm-hmm. that the previous coaching staff was putting together. So I'm at least confident that, when they come out there, they're going to have a solid game plan. Everybody's going to understand their roles or they're not going to be on the field for Doug Peterson. So, yeah, and this secondary is going to be pretty good, right? Like Tyson Campbell is kind of under the radar, a really good corner. And then you've got Shaq Griffin on the other side. Andre Cisco at safety was a dude that uh, allowed 41 yards in his coverage on 114 coverage snaps last year. So again, they, they brought in Darius Williams to play nickel in the, in free agency and stuff. So I think there's some, you know, some sneaky good players in the secondary. Can Josh Allen, Clavian chase on what is Trayvon Walker going to be able to do in year one? You know, like this defensive line, I think has a little bit of potential as well. So I just, I, I believe that there is going to be a lot of fight, a lot of grit, a lot of games where we look at this Jag squad. And even if they lose, we're going to leave going, man, next year, I wonder if they start to put some things together a little bit. For sure. I feel like I'm going into this season, you know, with too much uncertainty to really bet anything Mm -hmm. in season long markets, but very much uh, eager to see how much of an underdog the market makes this team in games, because we made a pretty good amount of money backing the Detroit Lions last year in a similar situation Mm -hmm. as underdogs in various weeks throughout the season. And I think, you know, week one, absolutely. I'm pro- If that number stays as it is and there isn't major injuries for Jacksonville, uh, more than a field goal, I'm going to be interested in betting Jacksonville because I'm very down on Washington. And similar situations along the way each week. Don't be surprised if you hear us saying we're betting Jacksonville at a plus number. If you did want to take a shot on Jacksonville, you can find a 150 to one out there for them to win the Super Bowl. If you want to play them, to win the AFC South, there is as high as an eight to one out there at DraftKings. So uh, if you think the Texans are not a threat whatsoever for this division, then you could get the Jags at eight to one in a three team race for the division. Just something if uh, if you are a fan or if you're a little bit more bullish on them than Steven and I, that's the price you're getting. Let's talk about a team that is not a team that I am looking to back and I might be looking to fade. And that is the Houston Texans. And listen, before I say this, it has nothing to do with what I think the Texans are necessarily doing as a franchise. I actually think they played this perfectly, Steven. I, they didn't like any of the quarterbacks in the draft last season. They sat back, they lost some games. They were able to use some draft picks to try to bolster the roster in other places. And they're like, hey, look, there's seven or eight draft, you know, first round draft quality quarterbacks in next year's draft. So we'll just start Davis Mills this year. So be it. 
we're not going to go out and get anybody that's, you know, that, that's any good. We'll lose our games again this year, but at least we can get our franchise quarterback in the draft next season. I got to admit, I think that's probably the way to go if you're the Texans team, right? I mean, you're not going to win anytime soon anyway. If you hated the quarterbacks last draft, just roll Davis Mills out there this year. Take your lumps. Get one of the top picks in this year's draft. And as I mentioned, there's two at the top that we know are going to be super super highly regarded. There are another five or six that also have at least first-round grades by various draft nicks out there. So you're going to have your pick of the litter that you can build that, have that building block. I mean, listen, remember, it's not too long ago that Cincinnati Bengals were the laughing stock as well of the NFL. They went out, they got their building block in Joe Burrow and were able to ascend really rapidly here. I'm not saying any of these quarterbacks in this draft are going to be Joe Burrow. That's not what I'm saying. But you at least got to f- take your shot. You at least got to fire at it. And, uh, you know, look, again, they're going to lose a lot of games this year, but I don't really mind the strategy. Let's not forget that they were a lot more competitive towards the end of last season than they were for most of the beginning of the season, too. It's it's almost like a light started to come on for Davis Mills. I think that they have talent at the receiver position with Brandon Cooks and also potentially an athletic freak and Nico Collins to be their wide receiver, too. I'm I'm I like what they have to give Davis Mills out there. Brevin Jordan's an athletic tight end as well. And they went out and quietly got Marlon Mack in the backfield, who before his injury was a very solid contributor for the Indianapolis Colts. So this is a team that beat the pants off the Jaguars in week 15, then went out and beat the pants off of the Chargers by more than one score in week 16 Mm -hmm. and was competitive, lost by three to the Titans in in week 18. So um, Davis Mills, he's not going to blow you away statistically from from week 12 on he was still 18th in EPA and CPOE composite so that's EPA and uh, completion percentage over expectation Uh, but he was 17th in adjusted EPA per play in terms of his completion percentage over expectation it was close to zero so again just nothing really blowing you away but also not bottom of the barrel in that realm of the zach wilson carson wentz Mm. situation so um i think he has the ability to maybe be a league average quarterback and that's a lot more than what we thought he would be at the start of last year when they were just losing games and getting their pants beat off of them 40 to nothing to the bills in week four. So I I think like Jacksonville, this can be a competitive team. And maybe if the number gets out of control week to week, maybe, maybe we're taking shots on them, Matt. Yeah. Lovey Smith takes over as head coach. Pep Hamilton is going to be your offensive coordinator. Smith's going to call the, the defensive play. So he doesn't have a defensive coordinator uh, per se on staff. So, Smith and Hamilton handling the play calling duties there on either side of the ball. They bring in edge rusher Jerry Hughes. They bring in edge rusher Mario Addison. They brought in right guard AJ Can. They brought in corner Steven Nelson. They brought in Marlon Mack, as you mentioned, a safety MJ Stewart. They brought in another edge rusher and Rasheem Green. They brought in Agbania Korenquo at defensive line. So they there were they were able to acquire some guys in the offseason. Now none of those names are 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 really blowing your skirt up or anything, but I mean, they're all just solid. Like they're solid, you know, multiple year NFL pros. And so, you know, it's not like they're, they're putting a bunch of trash guys out there. As we know, the big story in the offseason, they moved Deshaun Watson, traded him to the Browns. 
They uh, Tyrod Taylor left town as well. He was with the Giants. Now Terrence Mitchell is gone to Buffalo. So listen, anytime you lose Deshaun Watson and Terrence Mitchell, it's not great for your team overall. Justin Reed also gone at safety. Demarcus Walker at edge. So th- there were some fairly significant losses here. But again, I don't think this team is really looking to try and and win this year anyway. So I don't think they're too worried about it. They had two first round, two second round picks. They take Derek Stingley Jr. number with their number one overall pick in the first round. With their second pick in the first round, they take an offensive guard in Kenyon Green. So you build on the defensive side. It's a passing league. You get a guy that you think can be a lockdown corner. Then you come back and you start to get an offensive line for whoever's going to end up being your quarterback next year. In the second round, they took Jalen Petrie with a safety. And then they took John Mechie at wide receiver in the second round as well. Now, we know that he might not play for a, a while there for the Texans. But as we just mentioned, they're not looking to win this year as it is. Anyway, they took linebacker Christian, Har- linebacker Christian Harris in the third round with the draft. So they did try to build through the draft as well. The problem here, Stephen, they have the fifth toughest schedule in the NFL. And when you have a team that doesn't have a ton of talent to begin with and you have the fifth toughest schedule in the NFL – that's where you find yourself as a big time dog to just about everything. The Texans are 300 to one to win the Super Bowl, and they are 30 to one just to win the division. If that tells you anything about the uphill battle that this team is going to face, their win total sitting way, way, way down low, about five, five and a half, depending on where you look with this squad. Hard for me to find a way to back them, you know, I mean, it's when everybody is so, so down on a team, sometimes I look and I was like, certainly there's something that fell through the crack here. Certainly there's something I can look at to do. But, you know, you look at PFF and the way they view this team heading into the season, 22nd rated offensive line, 30th rate, 30th ranked pass catchers, 30th ranked defensive line, 32nd rated secondary. So, I mean, they are in the bottom three in every single unit, you know, outside of offensive line where they're still in the bottom third of the league. And so it's just very hard for me to, to do anything other than say positive words that I believe that they're building for the future and, and they're at least, you know, at least going about it the right way. Yeah. I would it have shocked you if I told you that Davis Mills had more 300-yard passing games than any other rookie quarterback last year with all those first-round quarterbacks that went last year? That that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And then the offensive absolutely. line, Titus Howard allowed the lowest pressure rate of all left tackles. Uh, Laramie Tunsil returns from injury. Kenyon Green is there as well uh, for some depth. So I think the offensive line should at least give Davis Mills a chance this year. And like I said, I like their wide receivers. So I think they will be competitive from the start this year compared to what they were last year. But as far as their win total, I mean, we're looking at in the market right now, you have to pay minus 215 for over three and a half. And if you want four and a half, you can still find a plus number. But If you look at their schedule outside of games against Chicago, two against Jacksonville, um, Washington, I guess you could throw the Giants in there. That's that's about it. The rest of the schedule is against teams that have have um, win totals that project them to be over 500. So, right. That's only five out of those 17 games against teams with win totals projected under 500. So hard to bet 
hard to be bullish on on over uh, four and a half on the Texans at this point. Maybe we get a better number if they start 0-2 against the Colts and the Broncos. Yeah, I was going to say just as a just just as a just to throw it out there. We mentioned that football outsiders, you know, run simulations of the season. They run a million different sims. And in those million sims, the mean projection for wins for this Texans team was over seven, Stephen. So just a weird. uh, Yeah, was over seven for for this squad. I thought was a little bit weird. I I, I like the offense. um, I do like the offensive pieces. I think it's an arguably in a middle of the road average talent mm-hmm. on offense with Davis Mills being close to average as well. So I, I understand that side of it. I'm not sure the defense is there. Um, yeah, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're right on. I think you're right though. Maybe this is look at, it's a team that we look at in season and say, okay, is this team playing better than maybe their record indicates? And, you know, are, are there some games that they might could steal as we get into the second half of the season, because remember, they play the Giants, they play Washington. Maybe Miami does not take that step forward that everybody's thinking that they're going to. They still have a game with Jacksonville in the second half of the schedule. So th- there are winnable games on the on the schedule out there. So like you said, maybe if they start off a little bit rough, trying to adjust here to Davis Mills life and, and you know, Pep Hamilton's calling the plays life and everything like that if this thing dips to whatever, like you said, maybe it dips to a three as a win total. Maybe then that's the way that you play this Houston Texans team. Week one, eight point home dog against Indianapolis. That that's the kind of like for them to just cover a touchdown each week is something that we'll have to consider as we go here, because when they were a dumpster fire, we were seeing like 17 point spreads on this team as a home dog and they weren't able to cover it. But I don't think I, yeah. I think if we start seeing those those double digit numbers again on the Texans, we have to consider it here if they're healthy. A lot of those spreads we saw last year with Houston is because they were decimated by injury by halfway through the season. I mean, they they were just obliterated by injury a season ago, especially on the offensive line, which didn't give Davis Mills a chance really until the end of the season. So. Um, yeah, I think I think like the Jaguars, this is a potentially valuable team as big underdogs in, in games. So let's take a look here at another squad that is going to be pretty curious as to how people view them. And that is the Tennessee Titans here, Stephen. And with the Tennessee Titans, look, I am down on this squad overall I thought they were incredibly lucky last year. I thought they were incredibly fortunate to be in the position that they were in. Mike Vrabel entering his fourth season. I think Vrabel's a good coach. I don't think uh, that's not the reason I'm down on this team. Todd Downing, offensive coordinator, Shane Bowen as your defensive coordinator. Main thing is, is as we know, in the offseason, they had to trade away A.J. Brown. They didn't have the money to pay him. They lose Julio Jones as a, in the free agency as well. They try to replace A.J. Brown and Julio Jones with Robert Woods. I think that is going to be a very interesting experiment. Austin Hooper is in town. He's kind of an underrated pass catcher. So Austin Hooper at the tight end position. A.J. Moore is a safety that got signed. They signed edge rusher Demarcus Walker. Also, Jamarco Jones at left tackle. But you lose Roger Saffold at right guard. You lose some of these. uh, uh, Your 
Uh, Dan Quisenberry, another guard for them, is out of town. Rashawn Evans, a linebacker, is out of town to go along with both of the receivers that are gone. I am just not – I just – it's find it hard for me to believe that you're going to be able to go into this season with Robert Woods and rookie Traylon Burks – who, if you listen to training camp, it's training camp, and it's you know I get it, but Traylon Burks apparently doesn't know how to doesn't know where to line up and doesn't know the plays and all the things like that. I'm just on a team that I thought was so fortunate last year, Stephen, and now with the losses that we know that they have, another year older for Ryan Tannehill, another guy who I think is just middle of the road, just a middle of the pack type of dude. Um. I, I just can't I can't find myself getting there. Twelfth toughest schedule in the NFL as well. This win total has come crashing down in recent weeks. I bet the Titans under nine and a half wins a, a little while ago at minus one thirty five. Felt very confident on that. That was a multi unit bet for me. As the market stands now, there are eight and a halfs out there with heavy juice on the over. There nine is about average right now minus 115 on the under minus 105 on the over uh and then you can get my uh, nine and a half still at a couple books so there, there's some difference in the market here but i think that there has been some sharp money here on unders on the tennessee titans for all the reasons you just said they were extremely fortunate last year and i just you know i was Admittedly, I confess, I was very high on Ryan Tannehill going into last season from on a, on a per pass basis in his first two years with Tennessee. He was extremely impressive. But last year, the clock struck midnight and he was not very good. He um, in terms of EPA per attempt a year ago and some of the stats that we think are more stable year over year with no pressure, he was 20th among quarterbacks. On standard drops, he was 23rd. In the pocket, he was 25th. So he was not an above-average quarterback. And now he loses A.J. Brown. They're talking about maybe a fifth-round rookie starting in Kyle Phillips. Um, Robert Woods is in there to potentially be a veteran presence. If he can stay healthy, he's getting up there in age. So I think they're going to run Derrick Henry into the ground as long as he's healthy and hope that's enough. And... I, I right. don't think that's a situation where you wind up posting the same win total as you did a year ago. And you look at you look at Tannehill, 22. One of the metrics that that pro football focus grades is turnover worthy plays where the guy, you know, makes a, a bonehead throw, poor throw, whatever it might be. Tannehill had 22 turnover worthy plays mm -hmm. last season. He threw 14 picks as it was anyway, which was six most in the NFL. And then you look at this offensive line that got exponentially worse in the off season. They lose guys left and right. And what you have now is what pro football focus thinks is going to be the 27th rated offensive line in the NFL as we head into the season. And what that doesn't bode very well for is a guy like Ryan Tannehill, his clean pocket passing grade, 89.9, actually really, really good. His pressured passing grade 57.6 right and so you go from having a good offensive line where he did throw from a clean pocket a lot more than he's going to this year and you can see it falls off a cliff when he's pressured from a 89.9 to a 57.6 as you mentioned Robert Woods is 30 years old coming off of an ACL I mean we don't even know if he's going to be good or not like we have absolutely no idea whether he's going to be good at all or not if you are looking for a positive with this team. 
look, the defensive line, when you have a defensive line that has Jeffrey Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, you're going to have a pretty good defensive line. So I believe that this defensive line is going to be able to handle some of these teams in some of these games and probably maybe even will this team to a couple of wins that I don't think that they're, that they necessarily deserve the secondary Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, Amani hooker. I mean, you've got some talent in the secondary as well. So if, if there's, if the offense is going to be way more, way worse than we think it's going to be, at least the defensive side of the ball shouldn't have them playing from a massive deficit all the time. But Steven, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think that this defense is going to be a defense that we're not going to pick on necessarily. I don't think if, you know, from a fantasy perspective, if you play DFS, I don't think you're going to be looking to to play against this defense necessarily with, with that defensive line in the secondary. But at the same time, you can only do so much, right? I mean, they can only prevent so much offense. And I just don't think that there's enough on the offensive side of the ball here. As you mentioned, I mean, Derrick Henry has more miles on his legs than any running back we have going in the NFL right now. And so it just, at some point, the regression, and I say the regression, I'm, I'm more mean father time, is going to just win here for for Derrick Henry as well. So, you know, if we think that he can produce at the same level that he has the last three seasons, then I can see where you might be a little bit more bullish on this team than I am. I just don't I've just seen it happen too many times where we wake up one day and these running backs are just old or let's also remember it's a far worse offensive line this year as well so he's running behind guys that don't block as well so that can also be another thing that could send him come crashing back down to earth I am so far out on this team it is it's unbelievable yeah I'm with you that's why i, I... I pounded the under on their win total uh, when it was sitting at nine and a half. Um, it was at 10 for a little while when this market first opened. So what what happened in recent years, Matt? They had to run on or they had third down plays at a lot higher rate than they had in, in previous years. They went from 2020 having the third fewest third down offensive plays to last season having the second most behind only the Houston Texans in terms of third down plays. So that efficiency that they had likely with a lot of running from Derrick Henry in previous years to get them uh, to move the chains and and play action situations for Ryan Tannehill with heavy boxes and one-on-one coverage on the outside went away. So can, can they get back to that if Derrick Henry is healthy? I share your same concerns with the offensive line. Um, I, I just... I think when you're trying to run your offense like this in today's NFL, you really are requiring to be extremely efficient because you're cutting down on the number of plays and possessions that you're going to have in any given game. And if you're not taking advantage of the fewer opportunities you have, you're really making it tough on yourself to win these games. You're going to put yourself in a lot of coin flip games. And I think that's what the Tennessee Titans did last year. They wound up being on the right side of a lot of those coin flips including a, a busted play at the end of the game against Buffalo when the clock ran out and they were you know close to the the scoring and taking the lead so uh, just one of many examples where they won one possession games a year ago it was impressive but I'm not sure it's sustainable uh, in this day and age in the NFL right we have those projections over at football outsiders again they ran the season a million times and in those million simulations, Stephen, this team finished with zero to eight wins. So a a losing record squad 
61% of the time. Mm. So 61% of the time in those simulations, this Titans team had a losing record. So I think that speaks volumes as to where they, where they were last year from a, from, you know, again, just from a fortune perspective, how that carries over to this year. I just see this team as about a five, you know, about 500. I see them as a seven, eight win team, something like that at tops at best. And I think in, in a bad scenario, in a bad case, can I see this team being way worse? I actually can as well. So just very tough for me to get there on them. If we're looking at the betting odds, if you want to bet them to win the Super Bowl, the best number you can find out there is 40 to please 1 don't. on this Titans team. <laughs> please please yes. don't. Please don't, for sure. And if you want to play them to win the AFC South, the best number you can find is plus 175. So plus 175 for this Titan squad to win the AFC South. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Now let's talk about a team that I am high on, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. When we take a look at the Indianapolis Colts, they are to win the Super Bowl, Stephen. Now, I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on that quite yet. You can only get 25 to 1 on this team right now to win the Super Bowl. That is the best number you can find. You can find that at three different books. If you want to, if you want them to win the AFC South, there is a minus 120 that is still available out there. I would bet that today. Just to throw that out there, I have an AFC South ticket on this Colts team already. If I did not, I would bet the minus 120 for the Colts to win the AFC South. That is how much I believe that this team is better than all the other teams in the division. The Texans are several years away. The Jags might still be a couple of years away. And I believe the Titans take a massive, massive step backwards. Steven, before we even get into the team preview here, the minus 120, there's only one still available around the country right now. This number has been on the move ever since people started to realize what this division is made of. I would bet the 120 today if I didn't have the ticket already in my account. Can't really argue with you because they opened the season against Houston and Jacksonville. So I don't think that number is getting any better early in the season. No. <laughs> so I, no, I, it is I not. think this is a team, Matt, that ended last year absolutely pissed from the owner down to the third string at every position. They were furious that they didn't make the playoffs and they put the bullseye on Carson Wentz for it. It was like everybody in the organization wanted to have an immediate divorce from this guy. I have never seen an organization from multiple levels come out in the media and have such negative public comments about their team's quarterback the way that the Indianapolis Colts did. 
Jim Mercy, the owner, is tweeting that we're all in for 2022. So I think this is a highly motivated team. The reports throughout OTAs and training camp is that they are locked in. They're having a very strong offseason, a very strong training camp. And it's beginning with Matt Ryan, their new quarterback, who from all reports is like night and day compared to what Carson Wentz provided at this point a year ago. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this team. And I think Matt Ryan can at least provide above average quarterback play for them. Yeah, Frank Reich, obviously back as your head coach. Marcus Brady is your offensive coordinator. That's his second season there. And then Gus Bradley in as defensive coordinator for then the big move as we as you just mentioned it's bringing in Matt Ryan and listen for everything that people were talking about Matt Ryan's washed Matt Ryan this Matt Ryan that let's remember this dude had no talent around him for the last two seasons absolutely and no none offensive line whatsoever last I was going to say and and let's and let's also remember the difference in what he's going to have from a time to throw perspective that is going to be massive for a guy like Matt Ryan. We'll talk about that unit in just a second, but they did some other stuff other than just Matt Ryan. They brought in edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe as well. They brought in corner Stephon Gilmore. They brought in, they even brought in backup Nick Foles in case Ryan goes down. When you say that they're all in, they brought in a guy they feel comfortable they can throw in. And if he has to start in case Matt Ryan goes down, they brought in Brandon King at linebacker, Philip Lindsay at running back, Rodney McLeod at safety, a right tackle and Dennis Kelly. So there are Monty Watts at safety. So they brought in a lot of players for depth as well. Not only guys that are going to contribute from a starting perspective, but for depth perspe- perspective as well, because as you mentioned, they're, they're all in Carson Wentz out of town. Mark Glowinski is out of town. Now a losing a right guard like him is, is, is certainly big. So I'm not going to say that this is all roses for this team. Zach Pascal is out of town as is George Odom at safety. Marlon Mack is gone. Rocky sin is out of town as well for this team. So again, not all roses for them, but I do believe it was kind of a nice little trade-off what they what they lost and what they got. In the draft, didn't have a first-round pick. In the second round, they go get Alec Pierce at wide receiver. In the third round, they get Jelani Woods at tight end. Uh, another third-round pick that they had, they take an offensive tackle in Bernard Ryman, and then they take Nick Cross in the third round as well at safety. So they had three different third-round picks. They go offense, offense, offense with their first three picks and wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, then go to the defensive side of the ball. Nick Cross as a safety there in the third round as well. So, Stephen, you, you take a look here. It's the third easiest schedule in the NFL. It is a team that has a real quarterback now playing behind the 10th rated offensive line in the NFL. They did lose two starters from last year, but they bring back Nelson Kelly and Smith. So when you bring back Nelson, Kelly, and Smith, you're doing pretty good. Danny Pinter was uh, pushed into action last year a little bit due to some injuries. He played about 225 snaps for them and graded out as like a 75 when he was forced into action. So, I mean, if he's able to take a step now that he is a true starter for this squad, you're talking about a really, really good offensive line. So now Matt Ryan is playing behind something that he hadn't played behind in a long time in Atlanta. And I think people who are screaming that Matt Ryan's washed and there's nothing left in the tank 
are going to be pretty surprised what playing behind a good offensive line can do for you. I think the ceiling's really high in the regular season for this team. I don't. We can discuss playoffs and and how loaded the AFC is and whether or not that'll translate to them actually reaching the Super Bowl. But in terms of wins in the regular season. I'm looking for ways to find some good numbers on this team. So I I do think the ceiling is the one seed in the AFC for the Indianapolis Colts, which you can find at 11 to one right now. I do think that Frank Reich is a potential head coach of the year candidate in the NFL for a couple of reasons. Uh, we mentioned this on the last one, but in case you missed it, I'll, I'll give you some of the, the recent trends here with coach of the year. Since 2010, Mike Vrabel was the first coach of the year that had a double digit win total, but it was 10 and a half in the first year with 17 games. Since 2010, mm-hmm. all but the last two coaches of the year exceeded their win total by four plus games. So we're looking for upward mobility in terms of a coach. And since 2010, all but one coach of the year had a win total of at least seven. The Colts fall into those categories. And I think with the third easiest schedule by opponent win totals, they are a prime candidate to exceed that win total by four plus games. So Frank Reich at 20 to one for coach of the year is probably going to be the one stab I take in that market in an admittedly difficult market to bet. Um, the other market I think I'm interested in for this team is most receiving yards. And this is just a lunch money bet. But what do we know about the history of Matt Ryan when he has a receiving core with only really one reliable wide receiver? We saw it for years with the Falcons before they added Calvin Ridley to go with Julio Jones. And there were years where Julio Jones had 165 targets, 170 targets. He had a year with 200 targets. I think that's within the range of outcomes on Michael Pittman. So I think a 50 to one or better stab on Michael Pittman right now, which you can still find to lead the league in receiving yards. There are worse long shot bets out there to make with them. So uh, I I think that the the potential for this team is, is very high in the regular season, Matt. Yeah, I mean, you you look at Pittman, Mo Alley Cox is pretty underrated at tight end. What does a healthy Paris Campbell look like? We don't really know, right? I mean, like we haven't really seen a a healthy Paris Campbell for the entirety of his career. So, what if Paris Campbell is actually good? What if he is the guy that people thought coming out of college with that we have not seen basically at all in the NFL? If that's the case, now you pair this team up with maybe arguably, I mean, I guess you'd say the second best running back room, the Browns still with with the one two punch of Chubb and High uh, Chubb and Close, High. Though. But you've got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you got Jonathan Taylor, Niam Hines, and Philip Lindsay. That's a pretty good running back room. All three of those guys are gonna get look, yes, Jonathan Taylor's still gonna be the workhorse, but knowing that you can spell Jonathan Taylor with Philip Lindsay, knowing you can put Niam Hines in on passing downs to 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 be your playmaker out of the backfield. That it that also takes a lot of pressure off of a guy like Matt Ryan. So not only do you get a better offensive line, but you get a really solid running game. You get a really solid pass catching back and Hines coming out of the backfield. Again, there's there's just so many positives, right, Stephen? That like just keeps every time you start to look at a next level, a next level, and a next layer of this squad. Even when you go to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line, right, DeForest Buckner. Quitty pay. They add Yannick Ngakwe. Now this becomes what what was a league average middle of the road type defensive line. 
you you add an Yannick Ngakwe to a DeForest Buckner and a Quiddy Pay, and now you've got a, a top ten defensive line in the NFL. And so it's it's just a it really is. It's it, it, you put Stephon Gilmore out there at, at corner, so now you have a lockdown corner on the field as well. It's very hard for me to really poke holes in this team, other than if you want to say the depth at receiver could be an issue, I will at least listen to you there because, yes, I, I agree. If if Pittman happened to go down, it could drastically change the efficiency of this offense. I would love to see this team spin the wheels on Will Fuller as their number two wide receiver and bring him in. Right. Um, you know, that, that'd be fun. But, Matt, this team's undefeated getting off the bus, man. Like there are few there. I don't think there's a more physically imposing team than the Indianapolis Colts. Not only the offensive line with the the handful of guys that'll steal your soul on that front, but the tight ends as well. Mo Alley Cox, 6'5", 267. Andrew Ogletree, they just drafted 6'5", 260. And Jelani Woods, the biggest of them all, 6'7", 253. Like, good luck defending this passing game in the red zone with how enormous they have at the tight end position. They're, I think 12 personnel will be their, their majority offensive uh, formation this year, maybe moving some of these tight ends in motion to the fullback spot for an extra blocker for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but I think that with the, and, and Michael Pittman as well, a big, strong, tall receiver, 6'4", 223 on the outside. So that combination with some of the smaller speedy receivers they have to mix in at the number two receiver spot, I think is going to make this a team that's really tough to figure out on a snap-to-snap basis what they're going to be running if you're an opposing defense. So, and I, I trust Frank Reich to be really creative in how he deploys this offense. He's done it in recent years. So, um, I, yeah, I just having a hard time finding a reason not to like this team this year. And I'm listen, I'm I don't usually like the Colts. Like full disclosure, I used to work yeah. for the Colts. I did not enjoy my experience working for the Colts outside of you know the football people, some behind the scenes stuff. So I could be a little biased about this team in recent years. This year is not one of them. I think their new GM, Chris Ballard, has been absolutely fantastic. Matt, the fact that Chris Ballard spent a first-round pick on Carson Wentz and was still able to get a two and a three back for him and are spending $3 million less on the salary cap at the position this year without Carson Wentz is just magic. It is just wizardry what he's done to fix this quarterback situation overnight for them. Because now they have Matt Ryan, who in the in the past two seasons was top half of the league in completion percentage over expectation. When Carson Wentz was second worst and sixth worst in that category over the past two seasons. And Matt Ryan when not pressured, was top five in the league in terms of incomplete passes that were his fault because of an inaccurate pass, where Carson Wentz was among the worst in the league in inaccurate passes when not pressured. So hats off to Chris Ballard, a a masterful job getting this turned around in one offseason. And and the, the way that this schedule lines up, from week six to week 13, there's a fairly fairly high likelihood that they are favorites in every game. And, you know, if not, they might be very slight dogs in one or two of them. But it's Jags, Titans, Washington, Patriots, Raiders, Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys. Now, if the Cowboys take a step back, like I think that they probably will this year, by the time week 13 rolls around, 
the Colts are probably favored in that game against the Cowboys. And depending on where the Raiders kind of end up, listen, the range of outcomes for the Raiders is so incredibly wide. That week 10 game might be a, a bit of a toss up as well as far as as far as who's favored. But outside of that, they're going to be favored against the Jags, the Titans, against Washington, against the Patriots, against the Eagles, against the Steelers. They're going to be favorites in every one of those games. So from week six to week 13, again, a non-zero chance. They are favored in every single game during that stretch, Stephen. So again, like I just, you look at this win total, you look at them to win the division. I just at minus 120, I love that damn bet so much. I understand if it's not for everyone, it's not a big sexy bet. It's not a big sexy number, but if you got a nice bankroll and you can tuck away some money for the course of a season, it would shock me. It would shock me outside of a rash of injuries and or an injury to the quarterback position, which we can't predict and we can't go into a season, you know, thinking that's going to happen, that, that they don't win this division. Now let's talk a little bit about what happens once they get to the playoffs, Matt. And I, I, we won't spend a ton of time on this because it's been a long podcast already, but what is their ceiling once they get to the postseason? Because right now, in terms of AFC futures, uh, they are behind the Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Ravens, Bengals in terms of AFC futures odds. So they're not being priced as one of the favorites, 14 to 1, the best available. And I think, you know, the market agrees with us that this is a team that you should be bullish on in the regular season. But once we get to the playoffs, who the hell knows? Because there's a lot of really good teams at the top of the AFC. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, a little bit of luck heads this team's way. I think, you know, is is it crazy to say that this team could end up 11 and 6, 12 and 5? I don't think so. They were 2 and 5 in one score games. They were 0 and 4 in games that were settled by field goal or less. Um, 0-2 in overtime games. Uh, again, Steve, that, that stuff doesn't typically repeat season after season. It evens out, right? I mean, like you, you don't you don't lose at that rate in those close games like that. So I'm just uh I'm kind of all in on this team in this division, and I am probably gonna be looking at the Colts all season long and trying to figure out whether I believe that this team is a an actual true real contender and Maybe somewhere along the way, I add to my portfolio with more more on the Colts. But as of right now, just have them to win the AFC. Yeah, what I'm looking for, last point here, Matt, to see if they are a true Super Bowl contender is improvement in the pass defense. They were 20th in the league in, uh, in drop back EPA a year ago. And in drop back success rate, they were 26th. So that pass defense needs to make a big improvement this year if I'm going to consider them a true Super Bowl contender. And certainly adding Stephon Gilmore is a way to go about that. No doubt. No doubt about that. Guys, we are rattling through every division here in the NFL. This has been so incredibly fun. We'll continue on with this next week. So be sure. Come back. And you know what? One way you don't have to do that is if you just subscribe because it'll <laughs> automatically end up in your phone or you'll get or you'll get notifications, whatever it might be. So if you're listening to us on the audio side, go ahead, subscribe, throw, drop a little rating in there. A little bit of a review would help us climb the charts. We do appreciate that. And if you're watching us over on the YouTube, very easy. Just go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Maybe even click the bell, too. You'll get notified every time we post a video because we are going to do just an incredible amount of coverage here of the NFL and hopefully put some winning bets into your account so we can have another winning season like we have the last couple here. Uh, it's been, been, been a good run and we hope to continue it here in 2022. For Steven, I'm Matt. 
Talk to you guys soon.